today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to bring to you the first episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. But before we hop into it, I did want to let you know one thing. So the format of this episode is not traditional. I knew when I decided to do this show that I did not want the first episode to be just me telling you my story. I tell my story about how I went through a breakup and I turned that breakup into a six-figure business. I talk about that in speaking engagements. I talk about that in programs I run. I share many pieces of it in my free Facebook community. I talk about it quite frequently, but I don't talk about all of it. I talk about the pieces that need to be brought up in the context of wherever I am and how it serves the bigger goal. But I know in general, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in the relationship before the breakup, during the breakup, after the breakup, in growing my business, just a lot of information that I've never shared. Not because I'm keeping it from you, but because it just doesn't really come up. So I knew I didn't want to just sit in front of the microphone and talk about me because I'm pretty sure I would just repeat the same stuff that I always share. Not for any other reason than I just never talk about it. So I invited two of my friends over, you're going to meet them on this episode, to kind of interview me. Not so much a formal interview. We all actually sat around a microphone in my office and recorded kind of a discussion, right? I was saying certain things about my story and they would interject with their insights and their perspectives and what they saw. And it's it's a really great episode. (laughs) But I don't have a podcasting studio as my office. Now I do have a really nice podcasting microphone and I followed all of the instructions that this microphone gave me and we were sitting around the microphone completely close, (laughs) like very close. However, the sound just did not work the way that I wanted it to. But you can't go back and re-record a conversation like that because it wasn't scripted. So it would be doing a total disservice to all of you if we went and recorded it again, because then we'd be more careful to maybe edit ourselves or only talk about the things that that were brought up that we really enjoyed talking about, but that doesn't really give you what you really need. So the audio quality in this episode isn't great. In fact, it takes me maybe an episode or two, three, to really get the audio figured out when I'm doing a solo episode or when I'm doing an interview or when I have people in my office gathered inappropriately close around a microphone to talk. So it's echoey for this episode. Um, Some words might be slightly hard to hear, but nothing about the substance of the interview is compromised. So I hope you can bear with me for the first episode as I work through the audio issues. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because of Rita, because of Rita I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show. 
where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Welcome to the first episode of the Rita Made Me Do It show. Today, I'm talking about how I turned a breakup into a six-figure business. Now, I talk about this all the time because it was the breakup that led me to where I am today, which is here talking with you on the show. But there's certain things that I just never talk about, not because I avoid them, but they just never come up or time constraints where I am. So when I came up with the idea for the Rita Made Me Do It show, I knew that I wanted it to be about more than just business strategy. Because it's not just information that helps us build a successful business. The truth is, we're the ones that get in our own way of achieving success time and time and time again. Everything I've done in my life has been unconventional, and this podcast is no different. Sometimes you'll hear an interview. Other times, it's just going to be me helping break down what we learned in the interview so that you can apply it to your life and to your business in easily implementable ways. And today for my first episode, it's also not a conventional format. I have invited to be here today with me, my friends, Lindsay and Esther. Hi. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So Lindsay is someone I've known since before I ever started my own business, since before the breakup that I talk about or that I'll talk about today that led to where I am. Esther, I actually met right before I got married, but Esther's been kind of along my side for most of my entrepreneurial journey in building my business. So they both have really interesting perspectives. And the reason that I asked them here is because I wanted them to kind of not interview me, But ask me questions and get me to talk about the things that I think are really helpful to people to understand that I might not bring up on my own because I'm just so used to not talking about it at all. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the things that you just never talk about, that I never talk about, because this is the real information. This is what it really takes to step into that next version of yourself and to have a successful business. So I'm excited today and a little nervous to open up and talk about things that I don't normally get a chance to talk about. My hope is that you're going to take away new ways of thinking, shifts in your mindset, and a new way of coming at whatever it is that you're facing in your business or in your life so that you can also achieve the success that you're looking for. So um, yeah, I am really nervous. So okay. <laughs> so for everybody out there who doesn't know me, The way that my journey started, I'm not going to take you all the way back to the beginning, but I was a lawyer. I worked as a lawyer for about 13 years. I worked in a law firm. I went in-house. I was okay at it. I mean, I was good at it. I didn't love it. So I never really applied myself to doing it and doing it well. I was not that committed to being a great attorney. It was kind of like a job that gave me a check, and then I would come home, and I would spend the check. Now, that becomes important a little later when we talk about how I got to running my own business. But simultaneously with being a lawyer, I ran a singles group in the D.C. area called Singles in the Suburbs. It's still in existence. It's on meetup.com, but it's not the thriving group that it used to be. Uh, 
Back in the heyday, there were about 5,000 members. It was super active with like 30 events a month. And it was just a wonderful community of single people that I kind of built and created and, and brought people together. And that's how I met Lindsay. I met, I met Lindsay through my singles group. So it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. I like it. <laughs> yeah. But that's the whole point of the group, right? The group wasn't about, it wasn't like speed dating. It wasn't like, hey, baby, here's my lock. Where's your key? Like, let's like do this, right? That we're not, have you ever been to a, have you ever been to a lock and key party? Have you? I have never been to a lock and key oh, party. It's a thing. It's a oh, thing. I know. I have been invited to lock and oh, key parties. Okay. I just have not partaken. Yeah, that, like, that wasn't like a that wasn't a euphemism. That was like literally people carry locks and then people carry keys. Yeah, and you see if the key fits the the lock, the lock where you have to go around. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what I wanted singles in the suburbs to be about. I wanted it to be about just single people in general. I even said, look, I can't tell if you're dating somebody or not. Like, I can't even really tell if you're married or not. But the idea is. Don't be married, but you can be dating somebody and still be in the group. Because if you're dating and you're single, you still have more in common with other singles than you do married couples. And so it was to really build a community of single people. And at one of the events, Lindsay attended. And I mean, that's that's how I met her. She actually met me with who we're going to call Aces, who was the guy that I was dating at the time. Um, we were about, I don't know, when did you... When did you? To- so the whole reason I joined really wasn't to meet someone that I liked your group so much because it was a community of singles, and your stress—you never stressed meeting some like the one. You just stressed hanging out with other like-minded people, which was the whole reason I showed up in the first place. And so the first event that I ever came to was well, it was the uh, show, the comedy show, show. yeah. With my ex-boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend from eighth grade, by the way. I No, I was in seventh. He was in eighth. He was my, so grad, years later, he became a comedian and he was doing a fundraiser show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you came to. But that was like, what, 2007? Yes. Okay, yeah. 2007. Yeah. So I was about a year into my five-year relationship with Aces. Yes. When you came along. So, um, so Lindsay was there kind of seeing me be a lawyer and just do my thing and grind it out in corporate America and then really build this community. And Lindsay was a big part of why the community built because she was kind of like my co co-organizer pretty much. Right. Like I wouldn't have been able to, to build singles in the suburbs without Lindsay because she's got my brain and we can be organized. And for 5,000 people trying to run a bunch of events, it was, uh, it was a lot of work, but you were there and and I was dating. I was dating. I was Esther's phone just went off. It's like, come on, let's get it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is what Some happens. Of us are still single, Rita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right. So I will let you, I will let you text uh, as long Thanks. as he's cute. I'll let you text the guy. Oh, um, cute. <laughs> so Met Lindsay, we were hanging out. She really got to know me and Aces uh, pretty well as a couple, but individually, uh, Lindsay and I became really good friends. So she watched me kind of struggle through not loving my job and dealing with this relationship, which is the thing I never really talk about. I always, when I talk, I always say, I had a relationship for five years. It ended. It felt sudden. It wasn't sudden. 
when it ended, but it felt sudden. And it spurred me into basically deciding that I was going to go on 35 dates in 35 days and blog all about it to celebrate my 35th birthday. And then I always talk about what I learned about myself by going on my 35 dates and that it showed me that I have been sabotaging almost everything in my life. I've been sabotaging my relationship. I've been sabotaging my career. I've been sabotaging my health. I have been sabotaging everything. Um, but I never really talk about the relationship very much and like what it was. Like I talk about what the habits are that I have after the 35 dates, but I never really talk about like what I was like before all of it. Mm-hmm. Right? But you know. I know. <laughs> you know what I was like. I was there. I don't really know because I'm, I am it, right? right? So so from an outsider's perspective, um, it, was, it was odd to see you running a singles group being um, so organized, so in charge, so for sure of yourself and planning all of these meetups and just bringing people together and this great sense of community and all these people that just love the group. And then there was like this other part of you that was in this relationship with aces that didn't represent one thing that you like were putting out to the group. Right. So it was interesting. <laughs> I'm really putting you on the spot. That's no, okay. But this, is, but this is what I think is important to get to kind of the bottom of this. I should probably come closer so that you can, people can really dig they in can't, here. Here, I'll move it. Yeah, you can. You're good. You're good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can Sorry. Here, I'll yeah. I wish you could see. I wish we had a webcam in here because we're like very inappropriately close right now, everybody, to be all around the microphone for you. So, but yes. So, so it was just an interesting dynamic because I saw kind of two sides of you, um, which I think maybe in a lot of cases when you meet people and you get to know them very well, um, you see that in a lot of people. Um, sometimes it's a surprise. Sometimes it's something you've seen in your own life. So you can kind of identify with, and say, yeah, I can kind of see why she's doing that. Or, um, so I guess probably the first thing people probably want to know is what, if, like you had one thing going that was really successful and everyone loved it and it was so much fun and it was just new and innovative. We were in the news all the time. Mm-hmm. And then there was this relationship that just seemed to like drag you backward. Yeah. And, or keep you in a certain place that you couldn't really get out of. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, I didn't feel like that. Right. I mean, I don't know. I guess I kind of did at a certain point. At the beginning, it was wonderful. At the be- at, like what relationship at the beginning isn't wonderful. But I very, somebody asked me the other day, like, well, when did you know? You say it wasn't so sudden, so at what point do you now see looking back, right? Because it's always easier to look back, right? See, but like, at what point, and it's like, I knew early on, I knew early on, right? And it started when I couldn't, I was like looking, this is back in the day of like MySpace, which by the way, I hear is coming back into fashion again. That's so shame. Just, we're going to table that. That's a lie. <laughs> Fake <laughs> news. I hope. But I remember looking at the page of a guy that I got out on a date with before, and Aces came behind me, and I he was like, "What were?" And I lied to him because mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I was looking at like." Well, I just straight out lied to him because I didn't feel comfortable just saying like, "Oh, I was just looking at this 
And that should have been a sign that I didn't feel really comfortable to just like be honest, right? Mm-hmm. The other was like when he used to say things like, and this is not to like that, but like he would make comments about like, oh, if if I could just do something with my hair, or if you know, I just like had like a like a clearer complexion for a little bit. Like he would make little comments. They were they weren't like you or terrible looking or but it was just like there were just little things that was the beginning and that was early on in the relationship right so I look back at it though and I hear something like that and the singles group and this is kind of so Esther I didn't tell you really I mean I told you who these people were but Esther and I run a retreat together called the reset retreat and at the reset retreat we talk a lot about just like all of this things under the thing and like emotions and like the version stories you tell yourself. And I think that the singles group though, for me was my validation that I was like worthy, right. That I would, I had value. Not like I don't know if worthy and value are the same thing, but like that I had value to give because as long as the meetups were going well and people were telling me, Oh, Rita, because of you, I met all these people. Oh, Rita, because of you, I had this experience. Oh, Rita, I dated this guy. I got married to somebody, like, because of this group and because of you. To me, without knowing it then, that was, like, my, okay, I have value. Okay, see, like, I'm doing something in the world. Okay, like, I'm, and so I went all in on that group because that was, like, I didn't feel like that with my job. I definitely didn't feel like that in my relationship. So that was the thing that was like giving me. It sounds like singles in the suburbs. And I didn't know you then, but it sounds like it was like the life raft. Like you, you knew you needed to jump ship from this place where you didn't, where you didn't feel like you were being seen as worthy or valuable, um, where you weren't allowed to be like your full self. And so like singles in the suburb was like, it was the life raft that you had to get in in order to eventually leave the spot that you were in yeah, kind of emotionally. That's true. That's true. F- FYI, Esther's a therapist. So <laughs> sometimes I ask therapist questions Just or she, say therapisty things. She's not like, you know, she's not illegally <laughs> therapizing me right now or anything. It's totally okay. Loud. I gave, gave permission. Um, so, yeah, no, it's true, right? Looking back on it, yeah, I didn't feel like I could be myself in my job in any way, shape, or form. As an attorney, especially, I just didn't feel like I could be me and be the kind of attorney that got this, the salary and the to the level where I was, like, and be me. In fact, every time I did kind of be me would be when there would become issues at the job, right? Um, because I was asking a question or not following the rule or you know, just doing something in a a way that was not the way that it had always been done. And so, yeah, I think singles in the suburbs gave me that ability to kind of be more, I guess the buzzword of the moment is authentically me, right? And tap into into that. Um, And now I met Aces through the singles group, but right away, right away I met him. And so he really helped me run, run the group a lot because he was around me all the time. So he helped too. And so maybe in a way I kind of associated the success of the group with him too. I don't know. Maybe I was scared to that. And I was scared that when we ended things, it was going to hurt the group. But I mean, it did, it did. 
did, but not because it's because I got, I found somebody eventually and got married and then I'm not single and I'm not running a singles group. So, but yeah, I think I was a little worried about that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But it's because at the end of the day, right. And the reason that, that, because I know somebody's thinking that how could someone say something like that about, Oh, your skin or your whatever. And you're just staying with them. Well, I didn't think I was valuable, and I know I had really low self-esteem. I had super low self-esteem. I don't know why. Why? Esther, tell me why. (laughs) Hold on. Let me get my therapy books. No, I think... Chapter five. I think that's such a... I mean, I think... And obviously, our relationship centers often around, like, both of us being entrepreneurs, but I think that that's just a common experience for... I think it's a common experience for most people. And I think especially, um, which I think is the interesting thing people don't recognize about entrepreneurs in particular is we both are visionary and bold and like in the, similar to what Lindsay said, right? Like she sees this part of you running the group when you guys met that is like bold and innovative and like, you know, just sort of has this like energy that like draws people to you and they want to kind of get involved in this stuff. And I think, as entrepreneurs, we have that energy. And so people assume that the way they feel about us is the way we feel about ourselves. And the truth is that when you are innovative and creative and visionary and are out here, like trying to do something different, that mostly you spend your time being like, am I crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it totally makes sense. I mean, I'm, you know, going back to your childhood, I don't know. I wasn't yeah. there. I don't know anything about that. But I think about like kind of the journey forward. It's like, you know, that that make to me that always makes sense is you're doing something that's so different than the path that people think you're supposed to go down that it's hard not to have self-doubt along the way yeah and it and so that kind of segues into the breakup itself which yeah. i mean from your friend's perspective um we can kind of it was kind of inevitable. Oh, right. Totally inevitable. And, and a blessing. Um, because sometimes people just bring out the worst in each other and it's time to split apart. But I guess, you know, that that time was really difficult, I remember. Yeah. I was, was there. I was hard. I was I got the texts <laughs> and the, you know, phone calls and things like that. And having been through it myself, it was probably a little easier for me to and relate and talk you through and say, okay, we're going to make it. Um, <laughs> because it's going to be all right. So for people, again, I know that a lot of people do know me and they've heard this story. So I met Aces in the group. We dated, we're in the group together for five years. And I always say suddenly, not so suddenly, he broke up with me. I mean, let's just be honest. He dumped me and he dumped me after a date. Like we went on a date and he had me, like I paid because we were five years in, we just like alternated paying or whatever. And so I didn't think anything about it. And and he sat there knowing the entire time he was going to break up with me at the end of the night. I did not know this. Right. So there. So he let me pay. <laughs> he let me pay. And then we went out to the car and in the parking lot at about 2 a.m., 1 a.m. After we'd been like kind of drinking and listening to like music and all of that, he was like, this is over. I can't do this anymore. Like this is done. And I remember like feeling like the bottom 
fell out, right? Like, in fact, we had driven separately to meet each other. And obviously, like, there were emotions and I was crying and that made him angry because he didn't want to deal with the tears. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't easy. I don't think it was easy for him to break up with me. I think there were some things there. But, like, he was re- he was ready. He had been thinking about it for a long time. And he was ready. And he ended up hopping in the car. I mean, I had a car. We also owned a car together. That was his car. And he drove away, just leaving me there. And I was, like, between drinking a little and the eyes and the tears, I, like, stayed in the car. I, like, slept in the car in the parking lot that night. And uh, so I know people always hear, so I did it, and I, he dumped me in a parking lot. And then I went, like, the next day with a bottle of wine over to, like, my dear friend Lindsay's house and decided 35 dates in 35 days. And it's more like, that's like, just like a condensed version because I only have usually 20 minutes when I talk in front of a group of people. It's more like slept overnight in the car in the parking lot, woke up the next day, went, I was living with my mother at the time because my mother needed me for a family emergency to move back home. And so I remember, oh, like feeling like a high school kid. Like I don't want to tell my mom, like I don't want to deal with it. I didn't want my sister to know. I just didn't want anybody asking me about it. So I acted, I didn't tell anybody that it was even a thing I was just like this will fix itself like we'll get back together because mm-hmm. we had had a little bit of trouble until then so I was like it'll work it'll you know total denial about what happened and head down and and I had to I was studying for the Arizona bar because aces and I were going to move to Arizona and that's why I was taking the bar exam and he still let me take the bar exam you know like oh so many things in the background but um but then, so then it was a lot of texts, a lot of like, should I try to get him back? Should I try to like say this thing? Do you think, how do I like get him to talk to me again? Like what's going to happen? Like we're supposed to be in Arizona together for the bar. Like, what do I do? How do I reach out to him? Like those were the texts to like Lindsay. It wasn't, it, it was not like, okay, so this is over. And now I'm going to go on 35 dates. It's like, okay, this is over. My life is over. Also, I will never find another man ever again, so I must get this one back. What does this mean about me that I lost this guy who everybody seems to think is so wonderful because everybody, he, he was very charismatic and everybody enjoyed the act for the most part of being around it. I'm like, what does that mean about me that I can't even, this is a failure, like I'm going to look like a failure and like also like then the wine came out and then I was over at, and then I'm like, you know what I'm going to do for my 35th birthday? I'm just going to go on 35 dates in 35 days. Cause I had read about something similar. And I was like, I could do that. And I think I was halfway through the bottle. <laughs> yeah. I think they thought we were a little, yeah, we were a little, we off. thought, we, well, we thought, Perhaps. yeah, we thought we were maybe a little more sober. <laughs> we were too. Yeah. And so then it was like, well, look, I've got 35 days in a row free. That that's rare that not one thing was scheduled on the calendar. And it was like, send this email out overnight saying, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go on 35 dates. And thir- like, here's the deal. I don't want to know anything about the guys. I don't want to know their age or their race or what they do for a living. And I want them to pick the activity because it wasn't about finding love. It was about meeting people I would normally not meet, doing things I would normally not do. So I had to be uncomfortable because I really thought, I think I'd read it in an article earlier that week or whatever, like. By being uncomfortable, I will realize how I react if I'm paying attention, and then I'll know what I have to change. So it sounded mind-blowing, right? Like, I'll do that, right, after, you know, like, three 
quarters into the bottle of wine. And so I sent the email out and then I passed out on your couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to sleep on your couch and woke up the next day and kind of forgot about it until I opened my email. And then I was like, oh, oh. because I had sent it also to the singles group, which I had 5,000 people. <laughs> Had plenty of people forwarding it and like finding these dates for me. And it was, it was on, right? So at that point, I think part of it too was I felt very accountable to having to do it because I had declared it. Like I had posted it on, I had emailed it. I had posted about it that night on Facebook. I had sent it to the singles group. I was doing this. This is a thing I was going to do. And then people responded. So for me to say, well, never mind. I was kind of like tipsy on some wine with Lindsay. Like, come on, I'm not doing this. That was like not an option Mm-mm. to do that. So I, I did it right now. That was a lesson all on its own. I mean, I learned, I learned so much about my bad habits immediately from the get go on it. But like, I'm curious from Esther's point, cause you weren't there for any of this. So, I was not there for any of this. I, I wish so you had many questions. <laughs> well, what questions <laughs> do you have? Like, is that a normal reaction to be, I know people change their hair or people like, after a breakup or buy a new outfit or something. Yes. But to be like, I'm just going to go on 35 dates and 35 days and I'm going to tell the whole world all about it. And I'm just going to like be really uncomfortable and figure out my life. Like, is that like, <laughs> like a normal reaction? So 35 dates and 35 days, probably not so typical. Mm-hmm. But I think this, and this is actually the first time I've really heard you. We've talked about this a million times. Talk about how you got there, right? So impulsive decisions on three quarters of a bottle of wine, very common post-breakup. Okay, okay. <laughs> but more than that, like you were just talking about, like you read this article and I think that impulse of like, to that transition from my life is over, what can I do, right? Like everything's destroyed to I have to change this somehow, right? And I think to me, that's oftentimes just sort of like the difference between people is eventually you have a moment and for some people it is. Like they cut their hair, they color their hair, they get a new job, they move across country, like, but you were looking for a thing to like shake up our lives because this relationship that we, it's never really the breakup, right? Like it's never just the person. It's like everything that the whole entire future story that you built on whoever this on aces, right? Like there's a, there was a whole story. There was a whole life in Arizona. Oh, yeah. There's a whole thing. We were going to have you yeah. know, cutest kids and we were just going to live happily yeah. ever after. But in reality, it was about two years in to the what I really look at because I keep all my old journals and stuff and I used to write like disappeared for three days angry about something or whatever it's like it was like two years in that we had that I think both of us knew and why he stuck around so long I have no clue nor does it matter I mean it's irrelevant to me and what we're talking about especially like I, I mean I know why I did I really was in a scarcity based mindset and I'm sure I'm looking at the therapist I'm sure it has to do with my father leaving when I was like a child at like age six. And like, there could be some daddy issues going on or, you know, there were, there were at the time. Um, but like at the end of the day, I didn't think I was going to find anybody better than that. I didn't yeah. think I was worthy of anything better than that. I thought that's probably because I had had other relationships before him that also fell apart, but weren't all with jerks. Like, only yeah. one other jerk, which got me to start the singles group, but um, but not like that level of like you know what I went through. Well, I wonder if he was your. So I'm totally asking a therapist question, but yeah. like I wonder if he was basically your. He was the romantic version of your law career. He's the thing that everybody else is like. 
oh, it's amazing, right? Like he's charismatic and people like being around him. Like, and it's sort of like being a lawyer, right? People are like, oh, that's amazing. You're a lawyer, so successful. But like every lawyer I know, for the most part, (laughs) it's like, this is like really hard on my personal life. Like this is this job sucks. Yeah, and I have no money. Oh right. yeah, and, and the, I'm constantly so worried so about what, all of these things. Yeah, yeah and I'm right. working crazy hours, and I have to like I can't be really be myself. And so I'm like, so you're talking like, oh, I wonder if Aces was just basically yeah. like he was the law, he was your law career. He was my law career. Like yeah, but not he was really Aces was prestige. He was like what I wasn't being in my life in terms of like the good qualities, like the, the just, he felt very comfortable to be himself. I will give him that. Like he felt super comfortable at all times to be himself, to tell a joke and to now, whether that was good or bad or right or wrong, I'm not saying it, but like, he just felt comfortable to do it. But I never felt like that where I felt like, and a lot of that is the backstory of my life and like how you're raised and what you learn. And, you know, just, and I think part of it's being a girl versus being a guy, too. I think that we're raised to, like, be polite and don't whatever. And guys necessarily aren't raised like that. They can just crack a joke and just be a little rough and tumble and and it's all good. Um, but not having a dad in my life probably didn't give me a lot of that. So it was more just like, the, oh, just let, let him. Do. And it, I soaked it in as like mine, right? Yeah. But it wasn't mine. And um. And so the 35 dates, so I knew that I had a lot of issues to work through when it came time for date one. Now, all the dates signed up really quickly, and that's another story for another day. And there's the blog is still out there, 35 dates in 35 days. It's still out there. Um, you can Google read a 35 dates, 35 days, find the blog, read all about it. Um, and it wasn't about the guys, like he didn't push out the chair or for, hold the chair for me or whatever. He didn't, it's not like he didn't pay. He was, it was, a guy took me to try peace school. I'm terrified of height. And like how it felt to do that. But like the first date, it was coming time for it to start. Like it was the day of, and it started pouring. I mean, like rain, like we had never seen in the area before ever. It was a historic storm, almost like a hurricane. I was at the office. I was supposed to meet him afterwards. And I mean, roads were flooded. Things were, and he messaged saying, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to do this. And I immediately went into, but it has to happen. Like, this is messing up on date one, my 35 date. Never once did I think I could just like make date two, date one, and then add one on to the end. Like it was like, no, this was planned. This was done. It was set. This is when it starts. This is when it ends. Like this is, this can't happen. Like this is already falling apart. Everything's falling apart. Like it's not going to work. What was I thinking? This is crazy. I shouldn't be doing this. This is ridiculous. This is, I can't, and then of course we ended up going out that night because like the rain ended up being okay. And we yeah. went and we had a really nice time, but I was like, oh, I have some issues. <laughs> I have some things that I need to work through. Um, Cause that was like a not like great reaction to like, I was like, that's not how I want to be. Like I didn't want to. So that was the, that was the first time I was like, this is going to be important for me. This is going to be, I knew from the first date. That like, and I, um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a religious person. I believe in God. I always tell people it could be the universe, higher energy, whatever it is for you. But I believe that that happened on purpose to make me have that moment. So that I went, that's what I'm supposed to be looking for in all of these dates, because I didn't really know what I was supposed to be looking for. 
right? Like I knew I wanted to be different. I wanted to be a different person and learn about myself. But what did that mean? And suddenly like from noticing, I just had a total control freak like moment. Mm -hmm. And I like freaked out over something that at the end of the day, wasn't that important. And that nobody knew, like, if I tacked one on or they didn't, like, it was all going to be fine and nobody cared. And, like, I was freaking out about it, right? So I was like, that, that's the kind of stuff I'm supposed to be looking for. Those are the habits that are probably sabotaging so much in my life. And so that's how I went through the rest of the dates, right? Now, you saw me as I went from the girl dating aces Mm -hmm. through the breakup to having this epiphany on your couch and waking up and watching what was it we watched on Sunday mornings when I used to sleep on your couch you would wake up Lindsay would always come out and join me what the CBS morning my favorite show yeah the morning show oh, it was great amazing. I kind of I mean like I don't miss like the bachelorette days I'm very happy being married but like there's some things I miss like being able to go over to Lindsay's house on a Saturday night and just drink wine and fall asleep on the couch and you know, wake up and our like kids in your wow. face. Like, yeah. Get up! <laughs> Very different. Very different. Very different. Yeah, it's like not as you know. But um, but so what were like as I was going through it? Like, what did you think when I said I was gonna like, and I was really doing it? Or when you? I don't know. I have no idea. Just crazy. Yeah. I I didn't. I thought it was a a very bizarre reaction to um a very difficult breakup. And I thought, well, she has the contacts. Um, I don't know why she wants to do this, but let's see what happens because everything else you had ever touched turned to gold. And it, it, it <laughs> no, I mean, it, I think even, even with on three quarters of a bottle of wine, yeah. um, you still have your, you still have purpose. So there was a reason, right? So whether it was, you know, God, like you said, or kind of a combination of things, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that you were going to complete it. I knew that for a fact, um, because there's nothing you've ever done that you haven't completed. Um, And that it would probably bring you something, some sort of solace, right? Something that would make you um, whole again. And so... When do you think, though, so this is, I'm curious, because we were talking about before how um, Singles in the Suburbs was a life raft of sorts, and, you know, being with Aces probably made it more like it was being an attorney, and so you talked a lot about value and how you didn't feel like you had value, even though the singles group kind of made you feel like you did, but when did you really start believing that? Like, was it in the, in the habits that you developed through 35 Dates? Or, so, like, when was it that, I, I mean, think it was close to the end of the 35 dates. After I had been out with that many people that quickly, and, and, like, all different kinds of people that reflected different things about me back. And, like, there were a lot of, so, yes, also tabling the fact, looking at the therapist, that she said, I never know you to not complete anything. And I'm wondering now, that's why I stayed with Aces so long. Like, is there something in me that, like, feels like I started it, so I have to finish it? Now, that works in my favor as an entrepreneur time and time again. And it works in my favor. Like, I've learned, though, with entrepreneurship, I've also learned how to give myself the ability to pivot and be okay with it and to change and to let things go. So I no longer feel the need that, well, I started it, so I must finish it. To me, entrepreneurship is 
my finish is like the life I want to live because of the business I run. So whichever direction gets me there is totally cool. I don't really care, right? Like I just know I'm going to get there. And so I pivot all the time. But is as the lawyer and as the, it was like, nope, you start something, you finish it. You start a project, you finish it. You start a relationship, you finish it, which is probably why I never broke up with him and why I yeah. just waited till he finally. Oh, absolutely. But what is it in people yeah. that, so tell me, <laughs> tell me, Esther. Tell you. What is it in people that make people do that? Like where it's like, I started, I start, I have to see it through. I have to, even if it's not good for you. I mean, I think it comes, everybody's different, right? Like, so that, that drive comes from different places for different people. I mean, the simple answer is usually like, go back to your childhood. You'll figure it out. You'll find that moment. And you'll be like, oh, it's one of your parents, most likely. Just side <laughs> note. I say that as a parent, <laughs> I get it. Like, we're all human. We're all kind of, but like, that's where a lot of it comes from. But I think that like, what would sounds like was helpful in the whole 35 dates is that you figured out how to become flexible. Right. And I think what it sounds like is, which happens for a lot of people is it's not just that I started, I have to finish it. It's like, I started on this path. I have to complete this path yeah. in this way that the story of wherever of like completion involves all the people and or all the things that are on this path. And like, that's, to me, that's the thing with entrepreneurship. And I mean, it's part of the reason you, I think you and I are friends and get along and work together is understanding that I want to complete this bigger picture. And like, so when did you start really rewriting what the vision is? Because mm-hmm. clearly there was a point in time where it was like, oh, the thing you want for yourself involved aces. Like he was pivotal to, pivotal. The, to the story. Yeah. Like my life and like the thing that's going to make me feel successful revolves around this other person to eventually developing a story where you're like, oh, my life and my happiness only really revolves around me. Yeah. And like, and I want people to be part of it, but like, it has to be people that are going to move with me to you know, a particular life that I want for myself. So I think like the answer to both of those questions is there wasn't a moment. It wasn't like, oh, this is a moment where I just feel valuable now and my life is going to change. <laughs> I think it was the fact that I came home and wrote about the date immediately after it happened from the angle of what did it show me about me? So it was like, I didn't have much time to dwell on anything, right? I went on a date, came home, self-reflection, but couldn't dwell in it too long because I had another date the next day. So I wasn't like thinking about, well, why didn't this guy call? And does he like me? And does he want to see me again? Like I couldn't, I couldn't engage old habits. Like, you know, after you go on a date or something, it would be I, I used to ask the same questions I get on to clients for asking now, right? Which is like, I wonder if he'll call me again. I wonder if he liked me. I wonder if he thought I'm funny. Instead of like, how did I feel about myself on the date? Did I feel good? Like, I used to not care how I felt about myself on the date, right? I never even thought about it. Did I feel safe, respected, heard, good? Like, I don't know. I would come home and go, I wonder if he liked me. I wonder, without even knowing if like, if like, Right. Did I even, like, even like him? Right. Like I didn't. I didn't even know if I liked him or not. It didn't matter way back then. But I think reflecting. So I couldn't engage that old habit of dwelling and obsessing over what somebody else thought of me because I was already on to the next adventure. Because they were adventures. I had them pick the activity, and there were some crazy and really wonderful activities. So it was like I couldn't. I couldn't. It it cut off a habit or it cut off a. The fact, and I was tired. So like I would come home from the date, write about it, which was something I never did. Reflect on me. How was I on the date? Like, 
What did I think about myself? What did I feel? How did I react? What did I do? I'd never done that before. So while I was killing one habit of the obsessing, and I also didn't have much time to anticipate, right? You usually are like, I'm going on a date in a week and it's this guy and he's wonderful. And for a week, you're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to go. So I couldn't anticipate. I couldn't obsess and dwell. And I reflected. So I was getting rid of some bad habits and replacing them, I think, with like thinking about me. And and I think that present, right? Being present. Like you can only be in this moment. And then you made this conscious decision to be like, I'm going to be in this moment and ask questions that are about how I feel and what I think, which basically sounds like the opposite of your relationship. That was the opposite. It was, it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Everything to do with him because I let it, I let it happen for all the reasons, you know, we talked about. Yeah. So I think it, but I didn't know it. I mean, what do you ever really go? Oh, I'm so valuable. Like, this is what I am now walking around as a valuable person in the world. Like, but when I look back again in hindsight, it was after the 35 dates were done. And when the 35 dates were over, it was like a wedding or a something like you had this moment and this, this everybody was reading my blog and I was meeting some pretty famous other people online because they were reading my blog and all these people were like, Rita, this is changing my life. And, and there was just this moment of like activity and flurry and something different. It was exciting. And then it was over. It's like, Oh, Vlog's over, 35 dates are over. Like, it's like when your wedding's done. Oh, like the high of the planning and all mm-hmm. the things that went into it. And it's like, drop, right? But I started to go about my life. And so there I was still in the same job, but I was a very different person at this point without realizing that what this had done, what the experience yeah. had done. And that's where one day when I went into work and they were like, well, let me tell you about your new position because we're having a total restructure and here's like now what you're going to be doing. And it had nothing to do with what I wanted to do. Nothing to do with it. And I just remember saying, no, I can't do that. So I think I'm going to have to quit. And then they were like, well, that's like effective today. Right now, at this point, it wasn't just so that, to give some context. It wasn't immediately after 35 dates. So 35 dates was in 2011 and in September, October. And this happened in um the 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 quitting happened in 2014 so like yeah there was some time right so the dates ended I was miserable in my job but I knew it whereas I didn't really know it before and so after 35 dates I felt it I felt it all the time I felt it every day I was like oh I gotta get out of this job I gotta get out of this job I gotta get but I didn't know what I was gonna do so then I did keep the 35 dates blog going in a different capacity I still ran the singles group, you know, mm-hmm. but right after the, the, um, the 35 dates ended, I met a guy in 2012, like oh, a few months later. And that's the man I married to now. So like 2011, 35 dates to 2012, met this guy at that time, people had started asking me if I would date coach them after the 35 dates blog. And I was like, Oh, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> super weird. <laughs> super weird. But okay. I'll try it, right? Because they were like, no, your blog was great. So I was like, I'll try it because I knew I was unhappy at my job. So I was like, well, let me give this thing a go. And I liked it. So I did it part-time, but I still thought, well, I can't quit my job as a lawyer and become a dating coach. So I did it part-time on the side from 2012 till this moment in 2014. So I've been dabbling in it, building it up. And I really liked it, but I thought of it as a hobby, much like the singles group mm-hmm. as a hobby. And... Then when they said that, I was like, well, 
I'm done now, right? So in 24, I was, I had just gotten married to the guy in 2014. So met him in 2012, got engaged in 2013. This big event happened in 2014. I came home and I was like, he's like, how's work? How's work? I'm a dating coach now. (laughs) And he said, bless his soul, Chuck, bless Chuck's soul. He said, okay. All right. Well, you've got three months to make that work or we're going to have to send you back to the life of a lawyer in some capacity because we did not save for this. And we also just had a wedding. But you've got about three months that we could do this. And I just knew I wasn't going back to the law. I was like, nope, I'm not going to do that. And so I put my whole self in to building the business. Right. And that was the part where it's like, Yes, I I always say, and within three months, I had surpassed my lawyer's salary by being a date coach, which is true, but also not true because I had been running the singles group for five years and wrote a blog that became, I became known, liked, trusted. I was in the media through the singles group. I had a bit like, I became an expert and an authority in singles and dating without realizing what. I was doing and you've been running a, a dating business for five years yes. and had just finally realized for that free. it wasn't a hobby. Right. It was a hobby. Right. I could actually make this work as a business. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so that that's why then when I made the decision, it grew very quickly because I had already done a lot of the back work of building a business. Right. That but that was I also think why it was just like, no, like. At that point, when I threw myself into it, I had already then learned through the 35 dates, through the reflecting and through that the two years between and like applying the lessons and applying them to the relationship I was in with Chuck and applying them to how I navigated with my friends and navigated the world. And then how I started reacting in my job and quitting the job. That was totally unread alike to to quit the job and just come home and be like, I don't know what we're going to do now, but okay, I'm going to figure it out. And I that's where I think I knew that I knew that I could, I had value. Like, I, of course I'm going to figure it out because I'm good at what I do, right? And I know what you do is not your value, but like, I just had self-esteem. I had that, like, confidence is completely different than self-esteem to me. Confidence is shaking hands and making eye contact and self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. And I just trusted myself. And I liked myself and I was like, this is going to work because I could connect to the singles group had grown and I made that work. And look, I fixed kind of my dating habits and met a really great guy and I fixed that and I went through all of that work and like I can do that I went through all of this of course I can start my own business and make it work right because what I had really done without realizing it was tap into what most entrepreneurs like get in the way which is they don't trust themselves they don't trust themselves to navigate showing up and taking the action for what they want Mm -hmm. and they also don't trust themselves to be able to navigate whatever happens as a result of taking the action and I think I learned I could navigate whatever happened. I went through that breakup. I went through quitting my job. You know, like I went through, like I could navigate whatever. I, w- I was no longer afraid of taking the action because whatever happened, quote unquote, good or bad, negative or positive, I knew I could figure it out. And that was because of the, the dates and the, the whole experience, and like growing in my myself which is exactly what this podcast is all about. about. So here's my question. Yeah. When did you actually know that entrepreneurship, like success in entrepreneurship was really about like mindset and trusting yourself above strategy? First three months. First three months before I actually surpassed my attorney salary because 
I remember a couple of weeks in, it was like, oh my gosh, like clients aren't coming as quickly as I thought. And like, yeah, I've got some, this isn't as easy as like, I, I did, had no clue. Right. I just, I didn't know. And, and, um, I remember it was tight for money because we were quote like halfway through and then the hot water, like thing, my car broke down, something else happened. Like a, a property tax bill came in the mail, like more bills came in than we had money to pay out in that moment. And I remember crying on the bed and like pulling the, I was like, this is, what did I do? Uh, what, like, and I just cried for like two days straight. And I was like, this is terrible. I think I messed everything up. Right. But I had a coach, a business coach. Thank God I made that smart decision to do that from the minute I decided to quit my job. Probably the best thing I did, because then I called her and said, I've been crying for two days. I think this is a disaster. I think I'm going to wrap this up now. And she was like, let me ask you a few questions, right? And then she's like, how about you just go out with this different mindset? And we worked on like what I would do to actually cultivate this new mindset, like the practices and the Mm -hmm. things. So I said, I will try it. But what do I have to lose? I have another month and a half. So I did it and it worked, right? Like, like I was like, I felt different. I was acting different. Think the more I tapped into the mindset stuff, the more success I was getting. And that's when I knew it's not, business is, Running your own business, even career, I'm sure, is 95% mindset, 5% strategy and action. It's about how you show up, letting yourself show up, the way, the manners, the things you say, think, and do. That leads to all of your results. Yeah. yeah. And so I knew that right away, <laughs> right away, because I actually did it, right? When she said, do this, I was like, okay, I'm paying a coach. I'm going to do what she said. I, I, this, this is, this is going to work. It has to work. Yeah. There was really no option for it not to work. I don't want to go back to the law. So I think that mentality of like, I had kind of burned a bridge. And at that point I was out of work for like two, like I had a gap in my resume at that point. And in the lawyer world, that's terrible. You don't have a gap in your resume. And I knew already it was going to be, and the recession had hit, like the economy was terrible. Yeah. People weren't getting jobs easy. This is when people are like, wow, Rita, you surpassed your attorney salary. Like, why aren't you driving like a lady? I'm like, how much did you think I made as an attorney, right? Like, we're not talking like $400,000, We're talking like, yeah, six-figure, like at, at, the, at the max, right? It was like, yeah, it was still an accomplishment I'm proud of. Like it wasn't not like, Lamborghini. It was not like yeah. It was so, not Lamborghini. No, no. So yeah. So it was like okay, right? And it was just like, but there, I had burned enough of a bridge that there was no option. I was really all in it. I was all in it, actually in actuality because of the gap in yeah. the resume. But I was also all in it in my mind because at that point I had worked on the mindset, and it was of course this is going to work out. I just have to keep working it until it works out. Like it's going to work. I just have to keep showing up and working it. And I, then I said, and even if we run out of money, I can go get a part-time job. I'm not abandoning this. Like this is, that just becomes the business loan to fund this. Like there was just no doubt that it was going to be the date coaching. Right. Yeah. But then, so, but you could have just cried for four days, five days, six days, right? So but you kept coming back to being uncomfortable could not have been easy no to every day wake up and be like i now i have to do this that i've never done before and a lot of it you're very good people but there's still a lot of things that you ended up having to do that you were probably like everything i do is uncomfortable i really don't want to do this every day i'm like uncomfortable every single day 
but it's become comfortable to be uncomfortable if that mm-hmm. makes sense but it's like um i think it was that yeah what i had to do was uncomfortable but what would happen if i didn't do it was just terrifying right. it was just terrifying so it was like either be just in that terrible place or just get through my own stuff and figure it out and it was like what was on the other end i talked about this actually today in something that i was doing on on a training was when you're not committed, you look at what it costs you. Look at what I'm having to sacrifice. I'm having to sacrifice time with friends. I'm having to sacrifice time with my family. Look at what it's costing me, time, money, energy. Gosh, this is a lot of work. This is a, but when you're committed to it, you look at what results it will bring you. Look at the impact I can make. Look at the travel I can have. Look at the closer relationship I can have with my husband if it works. Look at how much more time I'll have with my friends when this like, comes together look at what I'll be able to do and so just that mindset shift of focusing on the result like that it happened because I, got, I was committed and I was committed because the pain to be Tony Robbins for a minute mm-hmm. his pain pleasure principle the pain of not right versus the pleasure of doing it like there was no choice it had it had to happen and once it was and accountability again because I declared it all I told people I'm doing it. This is done. Told at this point, I met you. Yep. So you were all in it. Lindsay knew about it. Ch- told Chuck about it. I had somebody that was relying on me to make it work and told my family. And then my mom was like, I love you, mom. She's not listening to this. My mom was like, <laughs> when are you going back to the law? When are you, when are you going when back? Are you a real job? When, when are you going back and really working again? Right. And I was like, no, no, I, I have to prove her wrong. I love you, mama. But it's like, I have to prove you wrong. This is real. And I need to show you it's real. And I remember like two years into it or something when she was finally like, wow, like what you're doing is like real. It's like, yes, yes, it is. Right. But, um, and so there was a lot of that too. A lot of people saying you can't do it. That made me go, yes, I can. And a lot of people who were like, you can do it. I was like, yeah, I can. And then me saying, yeah, I gotta do it. Like I am doing it. I, I am doing it. Not I have to, I can, I should. It's I am. I'm doing it. So, um, yeah. So that, guys, thank you for this. And this this is why I started the Read and Maybe Do It show. Because I believe that this is the real information that people need. Is to know how do you get out of your own way? How do you get out of your own way? Because you never won't get in your way. Every new level of success, every new thing you grow into brings another level or layer of challenges and obstacles and some repeat mindsets that pop up because it's a different situation and you don't realize you're doing it again. Like it doesn't end. So you have to get really good at pushing yourself out of your way quickly because you will jump in front of yourself time and time again. It's never that you won't. You just have to learn how to get out of your own way. And that's what all of the episodes here on the Reading Me Do It show are going to do. The interviews with my guests who are celebrities and a few celebrities, not tons. Um, comedians and business owners, and even my mom, I will bring my mama on, and then she'll probably still won't listen to that episode, um, and, the, and the barista and down the street, you know, like, I'm going to interview real people about, like, real things that got them to success, and then after every interview, I'm going to do a solo episode where I break it all down for you so that you can go implement all of this in really easy ways, tangible takeaways that you can put into action in your life right now so that you start getting out of your own way today 
and start realizing the success that you want so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life because they are not mutually exclusive. So thank you, Esther, for being here today. Thank you, Lindsay, for being here today. You're welcome. All right, guys, it's my birthday. So we're going to log off, sign off, and I will see you next time on the Read a Mimi Do It Show. Next time on the Read a Mimi Do It Show. Ever since becoming a matchmaker, and I've had a million different jobs, I'm, I'm literally doing 10 different things right now. There has been a common through line. There has been a one thing. And that one thing is helping to educate, right? So this is my love. And this is what I've noticed is my one thing, is, is, is helping to educate. And it doesn't sound sexy, but I try to do it in the most sexy way possible, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm on a television show, but really what I do on this television show is I'm coaching celebrities around their dating life. And I'm sharing how they can literally live a better life, right, in whole. Um, I write, I'm a columnist for USA Today. I'm literally sharing on how entrepreneurs and thought leaders can actually either grow their business or, or, or grow their brands, right? Um, if it is at, if it's, you know, coaching through a mastermind program, if it is an event, uh, if it is, you know, public speaking, if it's, uh, you know, it, it consulting, right? Everything that I'm doing, it's about, you know, it's, it's, it's got this kind of through line with education, with the exception of one of my latest businesses, Rita. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Read and Me Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamimidoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.